0: This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. And today I'm talking about prayer with my friend Chris Camille. She runs a beautiful retreat called the Refine Retreat. You can find her Instagram at Refine Retreat or her personal Instagram. Uh, Chris Camilli. Thanks so much for joining me today, Chris. So excited to chat with you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: So this kind of season or month is about prayer. And like I told you earlier, we're I'm working on a book about some of the Benedictine rules and how families today can apply those principles to our own lives. And one of the really Uh, standout features of a monastery community is that prayer was this big part of their lives. Like every day, many times a day, they gathered for prayer. And it wasn't just that they sat there praying. Part of what they did was they read the Psalms every time they gathered. So in the course of a week, they would read all 150 Psalms. And I think they gathered about seven times a day but we're both homeschool moms. And so finding the time to, you know, apply ourselves to prayer can be hard. Can you talk a little bit about how you make space for prayer in your own life?
1: Yeah. Isn't that, can you imagine? I, sometimes I think, Oh, that would be such a life to be able to just pray, you know, so focused so many times a day, but you and I both know that's not, that's not our lives. And, um, for me, it, it has often and for many years has looked like getting up um, before my kids. And um, that is, it's partly because I'm a morning person. So that is just a better time for me in general to have any kind of focus on anything that I'm trying to give attention to. So um, I've pretty historically gotten up before my kids. Um, and there, you know, I've got 1917. What are they? Yeah, 1917, 15 and 13. So I've had a lot of years of practice of doing that. Um, but that's where I would say my day begins and my prayer time begins. Um, first thing in the morning, just mostly because it works for me. I don't I always feel like I want to put a caveat there because I think sometimes um, you hear in Christian community like, well, you should get up before everybody else. Like that's the time, like as if there's only this one time for devotion to prayer and I feel like I just want to say like if you're a night owl do it at night you know like it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning
0: yeah and you know in our family we've gone through different seasons as we've gathered as a family you know we we pretty much always do morning time and so sometimes morning time will look like me reading a blessing out loud there's a there's a book called I think it's called blessing your spirit and it's by Sheila Gunther and Arthur Burke, I believe. And it has prayers that are based on scripture and are read almost like a blessing over your children. And mm-hmm. then at other times, I will you know, read a liturgy like you mentioned. I'd love to hear more about how you apply it. Every moment holy is another one like that. Um, sometimes we will just recite the Lord's Prayer together. And sometimes it will be a free-flowing conversation with God and my children. And this is in our group prayer. How do you handle... like? Group prayer? Do you have um, prayers that you pray? How do you decide what to pray in a daily life? Mm, that's a good
1: question. Um, well, I come from a liturgical church background, so I'm very familiar and comfortable with um, things like the creeds and um, prayers like the Our Father, and these sort of, you know, I don't want to say rote, but like, you know, they're, they're pre written um, prayers. So we use those. Um, We don't have, we have less and less structured like group prayer time as my children have gotten older and their schedules have changed. And, um, we sort of like partially homeschooling and partially not. So, um, I've got kids who are out the door early. So gathering for that kind of thing in our house has really changed what that looks like. Um, so we do more prayer, like at mealtimes. Um, but yeah, it just, it depends. I would say it ebbs and flows. I don't, I get, um, I get antsy and I kind of want to change things up from time to time. So sometimes I'm working through a specific book. Um, other times it's more free flowing and just kind of whatever's coming to mind. I was, I think sometimes you hear like the term like popcorn prayers, like it just kind of like, Oh, this thing and this thing. And, um, so I just play it fast and loose, which doesn't <laughs> sound, you know, like, but it's kind of like, oh, whatever's going that day, you know, wherever we're feeling.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, have, you know, there's a book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, where he basically talks about prayer just being this constant conversation yeah. with God through throughout whatever he's doing. And I know Ronald Rollheiser in the book Domestic Monastery says that a woman taking care of her children may not be able to devote herself to seven times a day prayer, but that life of changing diapers and preparing meals is a form of prayer in itself.
1: Yes. And you know, that makes, that reminds me the other day I was talking to a friend and we were talking about how, um, creativity can be, um, an act of prayer or, um, noticing. I was talking about how noticing to me feels like worship. And Mary Oliver has this quote that says, uh, attention is the beginning of devotion. And I always love that because I think when we stop and pay attention to something, when we are noticing something and we're acknowledging, especially beauty in the world, um, well, even, even terrible things when you, when you hear the news and you acknowledge something terrible has happened, it moves you in your spirit. I think generally towards wanting to pray or wanting to, speak out like some kind of a, um, a response to what we see. And I feel like that is so much of what my own prayer life looks like as I navigate, you know, all the things related to taking care of my kids and taking care of my home and driving back and forth all over kingdom come taking this person there. And, you know, today, Wednesday is one of our craziest, um, evenings tonight. It's going to be like, everybody's going every direction. And, When I get frustrated about that or feel overwhelmed by it, I am even then I'm prompted to pray and like, thank God that we can do these things and thank God for youth group, you know, and thank God for the activities and pray for like stamina to get through and and all of those things. So I feel like there's so many um, just regular daily moments that are constantly pushing me to pray in one way or another, just by their very nature.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I really try to work on with the Peaceful Press resources is creating space for families to pray as needed. Because when we're, you know, when we are too busy, it's hard to give that attention that is the beginning of devotion. I love that quote. But when we can, you know, create a schedule in our lives where there is a little bit of space that if a child is melting down, you can step aside to pray with them. Or if they're you know, if you're in the car, you can bring to mind, oh, I'm going to pay attention to what I'm feeling right now. And instead of worrying about it, instead of imagining the worst about this situation, I'm going to bring it to God.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. It's such a, it's a good practice, I think. And it's not hard to start doing that. Like if you're not doing it, it's so easy to start doing that. It, It takes no work.
0: Right. One of the things that has really made me pray a lot more is having Children who drive, and obviously it's it's not just the <laughs> yeah. driving. It's also that you know now I have adult children who don't live at home, or live across the country, or for a little season, a child who lived across the world. I have a daughter who loves to rock climb, so she might be out of touch for 12 hours climbing hundreds of feet in the air on rocks. You know, so there are these circumstances with adult children or teenagers where they are out of our sight and we cannot control their uh, every movement, and all we can just pray. How has teenagers and young adults changed your prayer life?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're speaking the truth right there because, um, I have two drivers and one about to start her training. And I was, Oh, I was just thinking about this the other night because I literally, um, have to pray. I I pray every time they leave the house. I mean, it's just like, Lord, just take care of them, you know, because like you said, I can't control anything that is going to happen while they're out in that car. I couldn't necessarily control it even if I was in the car, you know what I mean? But, but you have the illusion if you're riding with them that you could control it, (laughs) but I couldn't necessarily control it either way. But it's that surrender of like, I know that God loves my children and I know that, um, God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And I pray, of course, that that's a very long time, but I don't know. I don't ever know what that is. So it just moves me to constantly just remember. I think what it it does is it reminds me that my kids are not mine. Like they belong to the Lord ultimately. And that helps because it helps me to, um, sort of find peace in the midst of that moment when they walk out the door where I start to feel like, Oh my gosh, I hope nothing happens to them it's just a good reminder for me to sort of like, I can visually like sort of cup them in my hands and like hand them back to the Lord and be like, okay, you know, he's on the road now. Like, <laughs> Please take care of him. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it's, it's just a reminder to like ask the Lord to like, just be present with them, be in the car with them, be around the car and, and help me to relax. Like help me not to, you know, obsess about it every hour that they're gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, in my I, I wrote a book on overcoming fear mothering by the book. And I talk about some of the different ways that I learned to take my thoughts captive. And one of the ones I've thought about a lot lately is just imagining the best because it's so easy for me to know that my child, you know, know that my child Uh, has a video game console, and then imagine them playing video games and not getting to work on time. Or know that my child is getting in the car and then imagine an accident instead of imagine a safe drive. And I've been working on just redirecting my thoughts and imagining that child getting up and getting to work on time or imagining that child getting in the car and driving safely to their destination or just using my imagination for good. And honestly, some of the forum prayers have been helpful. John Eldridge has a daily prayer that's a really... Um, strong prayer. I there's a ministry called Nothing Hidden Ministries, and they have an app with some form prayers for taking your thoughts captive. We love, like I said, saying the Lord's Prayer or even reciting like the Heidelberg Catechism, I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my Lord Jesus Christ. And some of these rote prayers, especially when we are afraid or when things are a little bit out of control, can be so encouraging. Even St. Patrick, you know, one of the Early church fathers, back when Rome was in chaos or heading that way, he prayed, um, Christ shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that reward may come to me in abundance. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. So I think, you know, praying scripture over ourselves and our children, uh, you know, let my children walk in truth today. Let God be the refuge of my children today. Um, let my children be be mature and, and standing on the word of God. Let God be their firm foundation. Praying when we don't know what to pray, somebody else's prayers can be helpful.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a gift of um, having those prayers because there's so many times where you're and you can be even just the Psalms. Like if you have a Bible, you have a whole book. Like so many prayers for so many occasions, um, when you feel stuck and you don't know what to pray, or you just feel like sometimes you just feel like you don't have the words and you don't have to have the words anyway, because of course we know like the spirit prays for us on our behalf with groanings and, you know, interceding for us. So I think even that to rest in the silence, when you don't have the prayers, whether, um, whether you want to use like written prayers or if you're just sitting in the silence with the Lord, I think that um, both of those can be such good exercises of just trusting that God knows our hearts and knows what we need and what we want and all of that.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite ways to get inspiration and you work with a lot of artists and writers with your retreat So one of my favorite ways to get is just by being quiet. So whether it's quiet on a walk or sitting quietly with God, especially beside water, beside a river or a Creek, those are the times when I feel like great ideas come to me, you know, ideas that I think Mm. can be really world changing. How do you, you know? and I think a lot of people are afraid of listening. Like people are so scared of hearing the wrong thing or hearing something,
1: you know, hear,
0: you know, that people are really afraid that. If they think they're hearing from God, they might actually be hearing from the enemy or, you know, making things up. And so they're afraid to listen at all. How do you address these concerns or what do you think about inspiration and listening?
1: Mm that's a good question and I agree with you I think there's a lot of fear around listening and and I think then you have the opposite where people hear any little thing and and will say oh and the lord told me and you're like well really though like hold on <laughs> so I think the the exercise of listening requires discernment And, um, you know, I think it's like two things, like you have to be open, you have to really be open to hearing whatever you might hear, but then you have to discern what you do hear. And so for me, that process looks like, um, really just comparing what I hear with scripture or with what I know is true about God. And if there is any, I mean, literally, if it does not line up, that for me is a sign that I probably need to know that that thought It's just my own. That's just my own. Or maybe it is spiritual warfare. Maybe it is some, you know, kind of noise that I don't need to be listening to. But it's always for me, the exercise of saying, does this thought or this idea or whatever, this inspiration or what feels like inspiration, does it draw me closer to the Lord or does it pull me further from the Lord? And to me, that's usually pretty clear. Um, and And then, yeah, just comparing it to scripture. What does scripture say about God? Because I really believe that God isn't going to tell you something that is not true about himself that we can, we can know from scripture. So that's, that's kind of like my measuring stick, so to speak, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that is so good because I I tell my kids, you know, when you know the word of God, you will know the voice of God. And the, and the Bible says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So when we as believers you know, study the word of God, study what is written about him, then when we feel like we're hearing something, we can match it up. Does it match up with scripture? Is it, is it biblical? But I, I think a lot of art is probably being lost in the world because people are too afraid to listen for that inspiration.
1: Yeah, I think um, the gosh, there's probably so many reasons why art is being lost to the world. But I think that it is true when we avoid um, that sitting still, the practice of just stillness or um, silence or um, rest, just rest in all kinds of ways. I think anytime we avoid those or don't feel like we have time for them, we are, at risk for missing out on something that is beneficial to us. I don't want to say that it means that we're going to miss out on something God has for us, because I really believe that God is so kind to constantly be redirecting us when we're not going the right direction, when God has something specific for us in mind. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place with that. I'm not sure I believe that we can really miss out on something that God has for us. But I think that it can take longer to get where maybe God is, you know, trying to encourage us to go. (laughs) I I mean, we have the story of the Israelites that kind of proves that point that it could take a lot longer when we don't want to listen. So I think that there's just a ton of advantages to practicing some quiet and stillness and just trusting that if your heart is seeking God's heart, then God will help you understand what you hear. God will help you make sense of what he wants you to do. I really believe that, which should be very freeing. I hope that that comes across as very freeing because to me, that is freedom. That's like, I can rest in that then. Cause I know that God is going to guide this process and I don't have to try to like manage it myself.
0: You know what I mean? Yes. That's one thing I'm, I'm loving this year about memorizing this Heidelberg Catechism. Question one is, Just the reassurance there that God is good, that He watches over His people, that His plans for us are good, that not a hair can fall from our head without the will of our Father in Heaven, and and that He makes us willing and ready to live for Him. It's just so encouraging. You know, a lot of the moms who are listening are still in a place where they have young children, and we talked earlier about how, you know, there are ways to show our devotion even through our care of young children, but you have been leading a retreat for several years How can moms with younger children make that kind of space to get along with God or get that refreshing? Because I I feel like one of the mistakes that I made with my children as a younger mom was not looking them in the eyes enough and, and not noticing them enough in some ways. And some of the ways I'm discovering that now is through... Having counseling or being able to be a little bit more contemplative or being able to have space to grieve my childhood and forgive instead of holding on to bitterness. So some of the practices that I'm able to partake in now because I have less intensity of childcare are helping me be a better mother, but I wish I could have done that 20 years Mm. ago. Or 20, 29 years ago when I had my first child, how can moms make that space for personal growth that really blesses their children and blesses their mothering in the midst of intense mothering?
1: Mm, That's a good question. And it is so hard. I feel like I always feel like I want to just tell, I mean, I think when your kids are really small and people say to you, like, don't worry, you're going to get through it. That can feel really hard to hear sometimes because you know, the person saying that is so removed from that stage of life. And I really constantly try to remind myself of what that stage of life was like because I don't want to forget it because I know that it was so hard. And my kids are all two years apart. So, you know, when I had a six year old, a four year old, a two year old, a newborn, it was bananas at my house. I mean, absolutely insane, constant activity level. And it was hard to find rest and find like quiet. And so for me that's Um, that became more where that getting up early became a priority for me. And I can say that knowing that like, I was super sleep deprived. My kids were not, I had a couple who were good sleepers and a couple who were absolutely abysmal sleepers, just the worst. They did not sleep. At all. And it was so hard. And so I was constantly (laughs) sleep deprived. So getting up early was not easy. Um, but I, I just took naps, you know, you just reorder your day in order to make whatever system works for you as best as you can. And I was, um, very, uh, adamant that my children would have what we called quiet time, which when they were really little was nap time. And then as they kind of outgrew the napping, um, they still had to go to their separate rooms for about an hour to an hour and a half every day. It was roughly the same time of day, every single day. And we were, I mean, we were absolutely rigid about that. That was one kind of rule that we just were not bending on because I knew that that was going to be a window of time where I could pause, I could regroup, I could have some quiet, um, I could take a shower if that's what I needed, or a nap, or, you know, I wasn't leaving the house because they were little, but I could just withdraw for a little bit myself. And so I think it comes down to just working with what you have to prioritize it however you can. There were years where not only could we not really afford a sitter, but we also didn't have anybody that we felt comfortable leaving our children with. So even that was not an option of like, well, I'll just have someone babysit them and I'll just go out. So I was always trying to figure out what are ways with my children present that I can find pockets of quiet and rest. And it was not until I'd had all four of my children that I went away for my first retreat. So, you know, there are seasons and if you're in a season where you really truly can't get away, um, then you just figure out what it would look like to reorder your day and your kids schedules as best you can to make those pockets of time available. And then they have to become guarded. You have to guard them and they have to be a priority because if they're not guarded and they're not a priority, then you can guarantee that like a thousand things will fall into your lap at that time and your window will disappear. And, and that happens sometimes. But the more particular I became about protecting that space and time, the more I was able to incorporate it into my daily and then weekly rhythms.
0: Yeah, that's so good, Chris. I love that you were able to make a rhythm around rest for yourself and your children because really, even for them, having that quiet time where they could read a book or listen to music or do something that was a little quieter it's good for everybody I think one of the biggest we're we're, all, we're almost out of time but I really want to mention this I think one of the biggest enemies to contemplation to prayer to quietness and really to noticing especially noticing our children and what they need is our phones how do you keep that? I mean, it's a gift in many ways, but it's also such a distraction. How do you keep that in its proper place, especially when you also have an online community that you're ministering to?
1: Yeah, I will not say that we're doing the best job at that. I feel like there's definitely places where we could um, do better. It's a struggle. It's a constant struggle. Like I said, I have four teenagers. Everybody has a phone. Um, They have some of them have limited access to what they can do on their phones. Um, So we have them, you know, sort of some of them on lockdown, my older kids, it's different. Um, But yeah, it's, it's just constantly one of those conscious things of just thinking about how much are we doing this? How can we do it differently? Um, For myself, I try to take semi regular um, social media fasts. Um, because my work does involve being online. So it's really hard to just declare it all off limits and I'll never go back and all of that. Um, I really can't do that. So I just try to take breaks and I'm trying to this year, especially I'm trying to build in like quarterly retreat breaks. From both social media, but also like actual retreats for myself personally, even if it's just an overnight, it doesn't have to be long. That's the thing. I think that these ideas can all sound really overwhelming if we think they have to be really long, but they don't. It can be whatever you can work with, you know, and 12 hours, 10 hours, 24 hours, you know, whatever you've got, it can be enough.
0: Yeah. I love that you have some ideas. I know that you just did a whole, like, I think a month long social media. Yeah. Path. I'm just, I really honor and, and admire that you've been able to do that for your own soul and for the example to your children and for, um, just, yeah, the, the mental health that we all need, depends on getting time away from just the constant distraction of our phones. Is there any yeah. final words on prayer you really wanted to share? I, you yeah. have a book called Everything is Yours, and it's a lovely book that really points us to our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. Is there anything else you'd love to share as we close? Mm,
1: just uh, I just want to encourage people to try try resting and try um making some room in their schedule for retreat I'm a huge advocate for that and I know the benefits of it so I just want to encourage people whatever that looks like to make make room however you can
0: well thanks so much for sharing Chris I know families will be encouraged by your words today thank you thanks